Good morning, everyone. You guys are a miracle. Do you believe that? <laughs> I don't know how you got here. Every road to get here is being worked on and blocked and yeesh, I don't know what's going on. But I do look forward to the day when they'll be all fixed and everybody will be able to get here freely with no excuse, right? <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you guys here today, everybody in person and those who will be watching on YouTube at a later time. Uh, we're starting a new series, as you saw, uh, Staying Close, and that's going to be kind of our theme for the next few weeks. I hope you catch on to what that is uh, really going to um, mean for us as a church, but uh, mean for us as uh, individuals as well. I'm going to do a little bit of review because last week we finished the previous series talking about our enemy, but we know that... Jesus conquered all of our enemies, right? And we talked about that last week, and I was so grateful to hear all your comments uh, about that last week and how uh, victory is in Jesus. Um, he, we know that he sacrificed his life, and he, 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 it was a payment for our sin, and he took our place. You know, what a glorious thing that was, and that's how he claimed the victory. Uh, he um, reigns over everything today, and we know that as well. Sin couldn't hold him. Uh, he defeated that. Uh, he defeated the grave. God raised him uh, from the dead. So there is no power greater than the power of God that is in Jesus Christ, and we know that. Um, the victory for us, though, comes when we place our faith and our trust in him, right? So uh, we learned a little bit last week that not everybody's going to share in the victory that Jesus has won, and that's uh, part of our goal as um, Christians, as those who have trusted the Lord, is to make sure we're reaching everybody that doesn't yet know him, right? And so we want everybody to be part of the victory. Uh, we know that God gave us armor, uh, we learned that a few weeks ago, to be able to stand during our time here. Uh, we kind of sang about that a little bit today, and that, you know, there's a job to do, uh, until God gets us to glory, until everything uh, is going to be just right. Um, but the armor was there so that we could stand, right? Stand against the wiles or the tricks of the enemy. Uh, we, we know that that's what they're there. But we're not just to stand there. And that's the thing that I want to really kind of emphasize, that, you know, God has given us this armor to stand against his uh, the tricks of the devil, but we just don't like keep stand. Our whole life isn't just taking hits from the enemy. Uh, there are things that we're supposed to do and get out in the world and uh, share Jesus with them, with the world. Um, but uh, we be, we are an army on a mission. We kind of been going with that army theme here, you know, the last couple of weeks. But we are an army on a mission, right? Uh, we have a mission, and. Um, most of us want to do something for the Lord. I, I believe that in my heart. I really do. Once you become a Christian, I think based on what he has done for us, we just, as an outpouring of that, want to do something for him, don't we? I mean, that's just how it is. And, uh, but many of us struggle to do these things. And that's kind of what this series is about. Um, 
Have you ever experienced any of, the, any of the following situations? I'm going to kind of throw out some situations and just kind of nod to yourself or say, yep, I've done that or I've experienced that if this is you. Uh, you tried to love your neighbor as yourself, but in, as time passes, you resent him instead. True? Yeah. You signed up to serve at church, but there's no joy in your service. Nobody's nodding on that one. You make decisions for you and your family, but yet you have no peace. You're trying to raise your kids well, but have very little patience with them. You're trying to be kind to a co-worker, but instead you find yourself being rude. You're involved in the community events and trying to do good things, but not sure you're doing any good whatsoever. You tried being gentle with a family member, but instead you find yourself being mean and harsh. You tried to lick an addiction, but you realize you have no self-control whatsoever. Ever been in any of these situations? Ever experienced any of these things? Can you see yourself in them? Are you, are you trying really hard to do things for God in his glory is the question, but are not producing the results that you had hoped for. What if trying hard is not really the solution to a productive Christian life? What if that's not really it? What if trying really hard is not the way to be productive for Jesus? Would you want to know what it is? If trying really hard isn't it, would you want to know what it is? Of course you would. So let's pray and ask God that uh, reveal that to us, eh? Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love us. That's pretty incredible in itself. As stubborn as we are, as days we wander and want to be on our own and do our own thing, you still love us. You desire us to come back to you, to be close to you, to uh, be next to you, but... Lord, so many times we, we don't do that. So, Lord, we're looking for answers today. We want to produce fruit for you today. We want to be the people that you have called us to be. Uh, so we're looking for answers today, Lord. Would you please help us with that? I'm thankful for every person that's here today, Lord, even those uh, visitors we have today. What a joy it is to have them with us. Lord, please speak to each and every one of us today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's go to uh, the book of John, if you would. I know that I'm always encouraging you to have your Bibles here, of course. So if you have one, open it up to John 15. Uh, of course, there'll be the words will be on the screen, and you can follow along with those as well. But there's something about it, isn't it? Just reading the, the things for yourself. Uh, I'm hoping you're checking me that making sure that I'm not just reading out of the book I wrote or, you know, <laughs> making up stuff along the way. I hope you're really looking to the word uh, to do that. So John 15, starting verse 1, this is Jesus speaking, and he's going to uh, say something to us this morning. I pray it helps us with understanding uh, what we need to do and not just try hard. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, 
that it may bear more fruit. Uh, you already are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Pretty, uh, pretty serious uh, set of scriptures. Not that any, uh, any of the word of God isn't serious, but uh, let's talk about the context. What's going on here? Jesus is talking to his disciples. He is just kind of teaching them um, that he, previous to this that he is leaving. He's going away. And if you've read around these scriptures before, you know that Jesus did plenty of that um, before he left earth. Um, he kind of used vague parables and different language and uh, figurative language and things like that at first uh, because, you know, God hadn't given him the go-ahead to tell everybody what he was going to do. Uh, he eventually goes to the cross, bears the sins of the world, pays our penalty. Uh, he dies, goes to the grave. Three days later, God raises him from the, the grave and... Uh, he spends a little bit more time here on earth and then is uh, carried up or ascends into the heavens. But that was pretty heavy thing for these disciples that were really just, man, he's just here. He's finally here. We've been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to come and he's here and we believe on him and, and now he's going to go. But what happens after Jesus goes? And this is what he's talking about today. So in teacher mode, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Um, they're probably going, uh, what? <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? Because he's calling himself a vine, the true vine, and he's saying the father in heaven is a vine dresser. However, they should have known this by now as this is the seventh time that Jesus, primarily in the book of John or the Gospel of John, uh, says that I am something. And he does this to teach. He uses these metaphors to teach. Uh, in previous times, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But this time... Jesus uses not only himself as the vine, but he, he calls out God in this um, situation as the vine dresser. So what is all this gardener talk about? What is all this vineyard talk about? Um, he'd been instructing, obviously, that soon he'd be leaving earth. It wouldn't be long now that he'd give his life up uh, for a ransom for many, and soon he'd no longer walk with them in the flesh. Like Jesus wouldn't be there in the flesh. So he begins by saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me. Um, he uses three metaphors here uh, Jesus is the vine, Father is the vine dresser, but the understanding who the branches are isn't is easily understood until you kind of dig into it a little bit more. Um, first of all, everybody in Jesus' day would have known what this is about. Uh, many people depended on the fruit of the vine for both 
food and drink, but then also they, they needed it for employment. It was a big thing to be uh, in the vineyard business in that day. Not only was there, the thing we think about a lot is grapes, right? Um, and grape juice and wine and things like that. But there were many other things that grew on the vine and people used those not only to eat and drink with but um, also to earn a living with. So they would have known what this meant. Uh, for you and me, not so much. Uh, if he would have said Kroger's or uh, Myers, you know, is where you get the, we would have understood that a lot more. It isn't really the way we live. But we're going to go through that a little bit. We're going to say, how is Jesus the vine? That's how we got to kind of look at these things today. Um, we haven't grown up, in most of us, in California wine country. So, you know, we got to kind of put this stuff together in our heads. Just as the branch depends entirely on the vine for uh, life and growth and fruit, so does a disciple to Jesus. Um, he or she depends on this, uh, him as the source of spiritual life, spiritual growth, and spiritual fruit. And that's the metaphor here. Uh, and in the same way, the branch cannot bear fruit if it's not connected to the vine. A believer is unable to bear fruit uh, if he or she is not connected to Jesus. Uh, in verse 5 of that same chapter, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And pay attention to this last part. He says, for without me you can do what? Nothing. It's interesting, isn't it? Without the vine, we can do nothing as branches. How is the father the vine dresser? Jesus says that's who he is. Um, another occupation that may not be so familiar to you and me today, but it would have been in Jesus' day. The vine dresser, for the most part, was a gardener. He took care of the vineyard. Um, and any good gardener would meticulously take care of the vineyard. It would actually be a labor of love uh, to ensure that it produced good fruit and as much fruit as possible. Uh, he would do this by pruning branches away and clipping and doing things like that that would give it its best possible yield. Uh, so is the role of the father. Uh, he prunes and clip, clips away anything in our lives and the lives of believers that would interfere uh, with us producing uh, good fruit yeah, or more fruit. How are believers the branches? Uh, well, we learn from verse 5 that the believers are the branches. Uh, we also learn that the vine dresser, the father, ensures that the vineyard continues to produce more fruit. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 15 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may, what? Bear more fruit. Uh, first notice that Jesus says, Every branch in me. Branches are those who are in him. Uh, there's a little confusion sometimes when we read this verse, uh, especially when he talks about pruning and clipping and throwing away and all those types of things. But here's the deal. He's talking to believers here. Uh, he's not talking to those who have not trusted him or have not put their faith in him. He's talking to all believers. 
Uh, John uh, 15, 3 says that every branch that is in him is clean because of the word which he spoke to him. Branches are those who have heard the words of Jesus and responded to those words and now believe in him. So we know that branches here are believers. Um, however, the sole purpose of a branch is to produce fruit. Uh, think about your vineyard example, the metaphor there. Uh, the branch that comes off the main trunk or the main vine is there to produce fruit. And that's its only purpose. It isn't the fruit. It can't produce fruit on its own without the, being in the vine. And so we can kind of begin to build on this uh, metaphor that Jesus uses. And you can kind of see why he's telling this to his disciples because they're present with him. They're standing around him. They're walking from town to town with him and discipling, uh, learning from him and, and ministering to people. But soon he wouldn't be there. And they were going to need to know what it meant to continue in him. Um, nevertheless, um, some believers do produce. And to be honest, some don't. So how do you know this, John? Are you making this stuff up? No. If all branches are believers, he says, he prunes, he clips. And uh, we'll even learn in weeks to come here that some are even tossed away or thrown aside. Um, pretty interesting language when you talk about believers. But we'll talk about that later times. But the idea that some produce fruit and some don't is a reality. Uh, notice how the vine dresser ensures that the vineyard produces fruit. He takes away. Uh, that Greek word, um, if you do any of those kinds of studies, it actually means to lift up. So, yes, we will talk about some branches that get tossed away later on, but today's means to lift up. So now imagine this uh, vine dresser that is taking and caring for his plant, and he comes along and walking along the vineyard, and he sees that there are some laying on the ground or straggly wild ones going their own way, this is a picture of what the, the, the vine dresser used to do. He used to take a piece of twine or rope and he would grab that branch off the ground and he would pull it back up into the rest of the branches and tie it off with the hopes that it would get off of the dirt and out of the ground and wild on its own way and get back in with the rest of the branches and one day again produce fruit. Uh, pretty good picture, isn't it, of us some days? Uh, I think of the old hymn that tells me that I am prone to wander. Uh, that is us. And this is the branches that sometimes can lay down on the ground and want to be going their own way. But the vine dresser will grab a hold of those and he'll put them back up into the vine and tie them up with the idea that they'll, they'll get back with the others and produce fruit again once, one day. I like that. Uh, he takes away and then he prunes the branches that do. That's interesting to me. Uh, they're producing fruit, uh, and he's, we'll talk about that, but he actually prunes ones that are already producing fruit. Branches that are taken away are lifted up. Um, does this mean that branches taken away are no longer in him? Uh, no, that's not what this is talking about. 
We know by other scriptures that once, um, if you have really believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're, you're his forever. Nothing can snatch you out of the hand of the Father, right? We know this. So this cannot be talking about a branch that maybe has wandered or strayed or in the dirt or laying down on the ground is just going to be tossed and cut away. That's not what this is talking about. All believers are in him. Uh, the vine dresser often will lift up these things, and he does that. You know that he does. Um, lovingly, he does this by lifting us up, giving it a chance to produce the fruit. It's actually a term that they use is called training the branch. I like that. You know, you ever been trained by God before? <laughs> you ever been down and out or wandering on your own, and you can feel that it is God pulling you back in and training you to, to, to bear fruit once again? You ever been there? I have. Um, the illustration is this. The, the Christian does not always produce fruit as he or, he, he or she should. We know that. Um, but like a good vine dresser, God lovingly lifts the Christian up, not producing and training him to do so. I really like that, that God is so loving and caring that he just doesn't say, oh, no fruit off of you. See ya. He doesn't do that. He loves you. He cares for you and me. And he wants us to produce fruit. He's going to do everything on his end to make sure that we do produce fruit. Uh, there is, like I said, there is an as aspect of casting out the branches. And we'll talk that, about that in uh, future lessons. Branches that are pruned. This one's interesting to me. Notice that Jesus says the vine dresser prunes these branches that do produce fruit. Uh, you would think that he'd just leave them alone. <laughs> They're producing fruit, right? Uh, let's just leave well enough alone. Let them produce the fruit. But see, the, a, a loving vine dresser wants them to produce as much fruit as possible. So he prunes. He removes all the dead stuff. He gets the disease off of these um, branches so that it doesn't take away from the vital resources needed for that branch to produce fruit. So just like um, branches, uh, he does that with you and me. If you're here today and you're a believer, almost guaranteed he's done that with you. You'll, you'll produce a little bit of fruit, but God's desire for you and for me is to produce much fruit, more fruit. And so he's going to trim and he's going to clip and he's going to get rid of some dead stuff on you so that you can really uh, begin to produce the fruit that you were meant to be, to produce. Um, notice how the vine dresser is the only one that can do that in this illustration. I like that. Uh, there's no way you can prune your own stuff if you're just a branch, you know, if you don't, you don't have any clippers, you know, you can't do it yourself. Yeah, you know that you get all your life source and everything you need to produce fruit as a branch from the vine, so you can't even do that. Um, but then the branch can't even prune all this dead stuff of it. It needs to be the vine dresser. So if you're being pruned or have been pruned or have some things clipped out of, getting some dead stuff out of your life, uh, know that that comes from the loving God, a loving God, the loving God. The only one that can do so. Uh, King David knew what this was all about. In Psalm 119, he wrote, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. 
that I may learn your statutes. That is the lesson, isn't it? Being pruned, being clipped. He just wants us to learn more about him and who he is. Uh, the more we learn, the more we know who he is, the more we're apt to produce fruit. Um, think about this. The worst thing that a vine dresser could do is never prune his vineyard. Think about a vine, a, a, a vine dresser, uh, a guy that's slacking off and doesn't really care about his vi vineyard um, is going to have a pretty ruly set of vines. Um, I have a little experience in this. When my mom and dad uh, purchased a home when I was a young teenager, it had a bunch of vineyards on it. It wasn't nothing like California, but it had a, a couple of nice big rows of vines. And my dad had this genius idea. He was going to make my brother and I the vine dressers. <laughs> Not so genius on my dad's part. Uh, we didn't care about it. We didn't have any kind of, it was just chore. It was a work thing. Uh, we kept up, I think for the first year we did pretty good at it because we had to. Uh, but after that, in fact, they're not even there now. My, my brother and I still have that piece of property up north and, and they're not even on the property anymore. It's a cornfield now. So we, we kind of stunk at that whole vine dresser thing. But that's not the God that you have. He cares about you. And he would be unloving if he just let you go wild, wouldn't he? If, if, if he didn't prune you and clip you and trim you once in a while, get rid of some of that dead stuff, um, he, he couldn't be the loving uh, vine dresser. So it's because he loves us, he prunes us, even when it hurts. He knows it hurts you. He knows it hurts me. But he's willing to prune you uh, to get more fruit. So this whole word abiding, there's another word that we don't really use a lot, is it? When was the last time you used the word abide in a sentence? <laughs> Unless you're, I don't know, maybe down at the Renaissance festival. You abideth down at the Renaissance festival. I don't know. It may be a thing for you. Remember at the beginning of our time today, I asked you some statements, some questions. Um, I'm going to kind of state them again, but what if trying really hard is not the solution to producing uh, good fruit in the life of a Christian? Remember I asked you that? And would you want to know what it is? Well, here's the answer. John 15, 4 is this. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Trying really hard is not the way to be a productive Christian. We've all probably tried it, right? We've all really tried really hard. Remember, you even nodded your head on some of those statements. Uh, now that we know all the metaphors, the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches, let me ask you a question. According to John 15, 4, we just read, can a believer bear fruit without Jesus? He can't. There's no way. Um, we, that should stick in our head. So if we're finding ourselves not being very productive, but we find ourselves not bearing much fruit and struggling so much, what do we need to do? We need to abide. Um, so what makes us think that we can set our, out on our own in the Christian life and produce any spiritual fruit? 
We're bonkers. We're crazy if we can think we can do it without Jesus. However, we often do this. He's the source of our, uh, all of anything good that we're going to do, any fruit we're going to produce, it has to come from being close to Jesus. Um, only way that happens if you're attached to the vine. And so I hope you kind of see this picture that Jesus is trying to tell us. Again, he's teaching the disciples. They're next to him at the moment when he's teaching this, right? But soon he was going to be gone. So how do you keep attached to the vine when the vine's not right there anymore? Good question. Um, trying really not hard is not abiding in the same way that the vine is the source in which the branch receives its ability to produce fruit. Jesus is this source. We need to be attached or uh, abiding in Jesus. Um, remember, these words were fo first spoken to Jesus and his disciples, so remember that. And kind of keep that as a picture in your head uh, because he's going to soon leave. They would have to be in a relationship with Jesus, although he's not there. Easy for us to kind of read the Bible and think, well, that was easy for those guys. They were walking and talking with Jesus each, each and every day. But what about us? We're kind of like them after Jesus left. We're exactly like them. Um, we are the unfruitful branches when we try it on our own. However, many of us try really hard to do it this way. Uh, we set out with a desire to make a difference in the world. I think so many of us have that desire. We want to be different. We want to make a difference to our loved ones, our, uh, uh, the people we care about, our people we work with, and our families, and all these different things. But yet, we try to do it really hard on our own. And we skip the process of abiding. We don't stay close to him. We're not with him. Um, but understanding that we need to abide, let us revisit those statements that I, I mentioned at the beginning here today. I'm going to ask you just to listen to them one more thing and see if you can pick up. Now that you know this metaphor, this illustration of Jesus and the vine dresser and us as branches, I want to see if you hear it differently. You try and love your neighbor as yourself, but as time passes, you resent him instead. You signed up to serve at church, but there's no joy in your service. You make decisions for you and your family, yet you have no peace about it. You're trying to raise your kids well, but have very little patience with them. You're trying to be kind to a coworker, but instead you find yourself being rude. You are involved in community events and trying to do good things, but you're not uh, sure you're doing any good whatsoever. You have tried being gentle with a family member, but instead you find yourself being mean and harsh. You tried to lick that addiction, but realize you have no self-control whatsoever. Did you notice anything different this time around? I hope you did. Uh, the words you tried should have stuck out with you this time around. When we set out to bear fruit on our own apart from Christ, we are just trying. We try. That's all there is to it. There's no strength. There's no power behind it. No abiding. No fruit. That's really the Christian life. We can have the Christian bumper stickers... You can have the crucifix on your dashboard. 
You can even come to the Journey Church every single Sunday, no matter what the roads are like. But no abiding, no fruit. Remember John 15, 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless, abide, um, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So abiding today, what does that really look like? What does it look like to abide today? Do you guys see why that he uses the imagery of the vine and the branch and the vine dresser? Does it look a little more clear today? You can see why. We would maybe understand that a branch all by itself just laying on maybe on this table, I should have brought one, but soon would just shrivel and dry up and be good for nothing, right? But it needs to be attached to that vine and, that, and Jesus is that source of all life. Um, you and I must be attached. We must remain in him. So what does it mean to ab abide? Probably the best way is, again, revisit this idea of um, how the disciples abided after Jesus left. So I kind of thought about that this week and just really kind of put a couple main things out here for us to kind of look at. I... Um, I kind of thought about what it would be like to walk some of these roads from town to town with Jesus and having the disciples around him and what they would be doing. And I just have like three things that they would have done that we can do as well. So first of all, they were disciples. They were learned. That's all that word disciple really means is they were learners. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple, you're a learner. But they were continually around him and learning what it meant to be a Christ follower. And what, that, what I mean by that is continually. They were always around him. Um, they talked to him. They asked him questions. They had real conversations with him. They sought his direction. So not only did they uh, were learners of him, they talked to him, they asked questions, and thirdly, they obeyed his words. They not only heard what Jesus was saying, but they were obeying his words as well and quickly repented if they, di if they disobeyed. We see so many times there Jesus would correct them. As he was doing some pruning in the flesh, in a sense, as he uh, was walking and talking with his disciples. So if abiding or remaining in Jesus is the key uh, to producing a fruit in our lives, then we need to honestly ask ourselves a couple of questions. First, do you feel as if you are producing fruit? You don't have to shout it out or raise your hand or nod your head. Just really, just ask yourself that question. Do you honestly feel like you're producing fruit? Are you taking the time to abide? Abiding takes time. Abiding just doesn't happen. Staying close to Jesus requires action on our side. We have to be attached. We have to stay close. We have to be connected to the, to the vine. And then thirdly, are you trying on your own? I've had uh, great streaks of my Christian life where I have done this. 
tried on my own. It seems like yeah, I abide for a period of time, and then all of a sudden I just go off and, okay, I got it. I'm going out on my own, and next thing you know, no fruit. Uh, barren. And then what happens? I feel the pruning. I feel the trimming, the clipping off of all the dead stuff that kept me from abiding, and then I come back. But it's an honest question we should all ask ourselves, are we trying on our own? Um, there's a book that I just recently read, it was actually called Abiding in Christ. It says, in our zeal to produce results for our Lord, we sometimes become so intent on fruit production that we neglect abiding in Jesus. We may feel that abiding is not as productive or that it takes too much time away from our fruit bearing. Yet Jesus said that is not our activity that produces fruit. It is our relationship with him. And that spoke to me quite a bit this week and just kind of, you know, prepping for this whole thing, abiding in Jesus. The idea of this branch has no power on its own neither to have the source of life nor produce fruit is pretty humbling. You and I are branches. We're just dead wood until Jesus brings us alive. And the idea that his life-giving resources actually have to go through us to produce fruit. And the natural way for that to happen is just staying next to Jesus. We don't even have to try to produce food, fruit. It'll happen just by the, the, the idea of being and abiding in him. And I think that's pretty crazy that we try so often, we, we try out and go do this thing on our own, try to be a light and a salt to the earth, but we need to be connected to him in order to even produce any kind of fruit whatsoever. So is it your desire um, that your life bears fruit? Good question for us this morning. Do you have that desire to bear fruit? Um, well, in the same way in which Jesus' disciples abided, uh, we can abide with him as well. So ask yourself these questions. First of all, am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I learning from him? One of the best ways for us to learn from Jesus, obviously, is to open his word. So just ask yourself that question, am I learning? Now, I think about the disciples that were walking with Jesus pretty much every day. They're, they're getting the word, aren't they? Like every day, Jesus is probably talking to them and saying something to them, and they're learning from him, and they're watching how he interacts with people, and they're watching how he does what he does. They're, they're imitating him. Are you learning from him every day? Are you abiding in his word every day? Do you talk with Jesus? Do I regularly pray and have real conversations with him? I know we've made prayer something that is kind of what it really isn't in church sometimes. It's nothing more than you talking to the Father. You know that. It's simple language. You don't have to use these and thous. You don't even have to use the word abide if you don't want to. Just tell to Jesus that you, you want to be near to him. Pray to him. Ask him for his will and uh, direction for life. 
And he won't disappoint any of you that ever uh, spent time in prayer, earnest prayer, and just kind of constantly be at his side and praying and asking. Uh, You know that he answers your prayers. He might not always answer every single one the way we want. We know that. But abiding in him will produce fruit in prayer. Um, Do you uh, obey his word? This is a, a good one, right? We can... Just like the disciples, we can hear Jesus each and every day. We can learn about him each and every day. We can pray and talk to him each and every day. But are we listening? Are we doing? Are we actually acting it out in our Christian life? Uh, All these ways are ways in which we can abide. Now remember, the fruit production comes as a result of abiding in him. You can't force the fruit. You can't do the fruit yourself. It just naturally happens from hanging out with Jesus. So um, we're going to do a a little bit of thing. We're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to ask Jennifer to kind of come up. Um, One of the greatest benefits of abiding in Christ is that he abides in us as well. John 14 says, 12 says this, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. John 14, 16 says, and I will pray the Father, Jesus, this is Jesus praying to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide in you Um, forever or with you forever. Jesus promises to abide in us through his spirit. I know, I, I hope you know that, is that when Jesus left, he promised the comforter, the spirit of God would come and that he, that we would even do greater works than Jesus did is a mystery or is a myth to me. I just don't even understand that. Until you start beginning to think about Jesus was God, but he was just one man on the earth. And God was working through Jesus the time he was on earth, and then he began to build and make disciples. And as the church began to grow, Jesus says that it's better that I go, that the Spirit can come. And because, why is that? Because when you become a believer, when you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and lives. And now you can see that the millions of believers across the planet and those that have ever been can now do greater works, more works than Jesus ever did because we're spread out. But the trick here for you and me is to abide in him, to get that life source that we need to be and to bear fruit. So for the next few moments, I'm gonna give you some time like I always do to talk to the Lord and to think about it. Maybe you're hit, you sit here today and you're a branch detached from the vine. Talk to him about it. Tell him you want to be attached again, once again. Let him know that. He won't disappoint you. Let him know you want to produce fruit and in, in that you need him in order to do so. Maybe you sit here today and you're not a branch at all. You've never given your life to Jesus and you want to be attached. It's something you've desired to do, but 
Maybe all the other things in life have just really kind of kept you away. Well, maybe today Jesus loves you so much that he's ready to attach you. He wants you today. And maybe today that is your day to be attached to the vine. Um, he's the source of all life. Just talk to him about that too. Um, sin's the main thing that separates us from the vine. If you find yourself not attached to the vine, chances are it'll all work back to that thing. There's one, two, maybe more things that are separating you from the vine. He wants you to know that he loves you, he cares for you, the vine dresser loves you, he cares for you, and he wants you to be attached. So you can give your life to, to Christ today if you want to. And that's simply, I hope you know how to do that. If you don't, you really just gotta confess that you are a sinner. We've, any believer here today has had to do that. We've had to humble ourselves before the Lord and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from being attached to you. And I want forgiveness of that sin, and I'm asking you for that today, and I want to be attached to you. I want to repent or turn from that sin, and I want to walk with you. And it is really that simple, because we know in Romans 10:9 it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you are separated from the vine because of sin, I encourage you to talk to Jesus today. So let's take a few moments to abide with him, and then we're going to do one more abiding thing at the end of our time here together. We're going to share in communion today, like kind of a great reminder. What a great day to be sharing together in communion. But let's take a few moments, and I'll come back, and we'll share um, in communion with each other. So let's pray. So I'm going to ask you to do as you're, maybe you're still sitting there thinking about how you need to get reattached back to the vine, or maybe you want to be a branch for the very first time in your life. That would be so great. But as um, you're spending this time, I'll just invite you to come and take communion. Uh, we have communion tables to the right and to the left. And what you can do is grab one of the cups of juice, grab one of the cracker in it, bring it back to your seat. And then once everybody has uh, one and we've sat back down, we'll take communion together. I'll read a few scriptures um, for you and uh, we'll take all at one time. So feel free to get up when you like and grab a, a couple of uh, cups and we'll take together.
chapter 11 is the setting of the Lord's table. It's his last time that he would be eating uh, and being around his disciples. Um, kind of a somber event, really. Um, it's funny, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table has a uh, element of being sad, but also victory in it. Because if the Lord would have not done what he was about to do, you and I would be in a heap of trouble. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was um, betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we take the cup that has the, the bread in it, it's just a piece of bread, not really Jesus in there. But we do this in remembrance of what he did for us. He says, gets me every time when I think about this, he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Not just the disciples that day, but for you and for me. So as we take today, remember, this is the broken, a representation of the broken body of Jesus Christ on the cross that day for you and for me. So let's take the bread. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me once again this is not the blood of Jesus Christ it's a representation of that blood and a remembrance of what that blood meant for you and for me scriptures tell us that there there is no forgiveness of sin without the uh, without the shedding of blood we would be in big trouble if it were not for the blood of Jesus Christ so drink in remembrance of him what better way to abide in Christ in remembering what he did Abiding just means staying in him, staying close, remain in him. I hope you heard that today. I hope you remain in him. If you weren't a branch and you want to be, or if you're not a branch, you want to be, come and talk to me afterwards. I definitely can help you be, get there. I can't do anything for you other than lead you to Jesus. But uh, we're more than willing to do that for you today. So let's pray and end our time together. Lord, thank you. Just thank you for what you did to retrieve us, to rescue us from our sin. You sent your son, he obeyed, he went to the cross, he died, was buried, and you rose him, you rose him three days later from the grave, proving that you are God, 
and that you have the power to do the same thing to us for all those that believe. Lord, we thank you for our time here together. Now, just be with us as we proclaim your, your broken body and your shed blood to the rest of the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go out and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, that last part of the scripture says. So I pray you do that this week. God bless you.